in 1 Samuel chapter number 4. Uh, we'll read the first 11 verses and then jump in there. 1 Samuel chapter number 4, and let's begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll jump in there and uh, throw a couple thoughts here at you uh, tonight. Bible says in, in chapter 4 and verse 1, 1 Samuel, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle, went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched an epic, and the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. Boy, that's a loss, isn't it? You know, you think about that for just a moment. I know that sometimes we, we forget and, and truly, uh, but these aren't just numbers on a page. Now, they're, they're men uh, represented in, this, in the Scripture, and these men are represented with families, and they have wives, and children, people that, people that were at home waiting for them to come home from battle, and they didn't. And uh, sometimes, you know, we, we just celebrated or had... Uh, the day, uh, just what is that Memorial Day that we just celebrated? Sometimes we forget that those who have laid down their lives, they laid down their lives at a cost. Right. And these men that were in battle, they were fighting for Israel's freedom. They were fighting against the Philistines. They were fighting against the wickedness, if you will. And uh, many times throughout the history of the United States, we have fought against wickedness and we fought against corruptness. And we fought against uh, communism and different things like that. But truly, in this situation, they were fighting against the wickedness. And they lost 4,000 men in, in a battle. In a battle. Let's continue to read in verse number 3. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth uh, between the cherubims and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of the great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood the Ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods. The, these are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, quit ye yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye, might, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 
footman. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Now, we go back to this scripture in chapter number 3 and chapter number 2. The story is told, Eli, the end is coming. Eli, your judgment's coming. Eli, your judgment's coming. Well, guess what? Judgment day came. And uh, we look in this number one, if you will, the resistance, the fight, the battle against the uh, Philistines. There they went out to fight. There they went out to resist uh, the Philistines, and they lost miserably. First battle off, they went in there, and they lost 4,000 troops. And they said to themselves, well, we must go get the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now, in previous battles and in previous times, as the children of Israel would make their way through different battles, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the camp or into the battle, what would take place with the Ark of the Covenant being in the forefront of the battle? They would win. Why is it that when they brought this Ark of the Covenant into the battle or into the forefront of the Israelites, why is it did they lose? Why is it that now the Ark of the Covenant is in the camp and they lost 30,000 footmen? Why? Israel turned to sin. Eli's two sons has been steady over the years leading Israel wrong to the sin. They were idol-worshiping in the background. They were not obeying Samuel, and they just flat resisted God, and God cut them loose. This was Judgment Day. It was Judgment Day. They steadily for years and years fell away from God and followed these two hypocrites who were immoral, began with, uh, taking money from God, ripping them off, thinking they'd get away with and they had a dad wouldn't say nothing about because he's in the middle of the pork barrel too right all this this wealth and stuff right so i mean he was getting all the well he was getting he was getting the fat from the sacrifices as well but you know as you look at this um uh you know there's a couple things to be said one is is no man sins unto himself you say, what do you mean by that? Because of the sin of Eli and because of the sin of Hophni and because of the sin of Phinehas, 34,000 men died in battle. That's a lot of men. That's a lot of people to suffer because of a few men's, a few men's transgressions. But if we're honest, as we look at our lives, our lives do not just affect ourselves. You know, the sin that we have or the sin that we commit or the sin that we think that we're getting away with, our sin does not, we do not sin unto ourselves. When I do wrong, it's going to affect everybody around me. When you do wrong, it's going to affect everybody around you. When I do wrong, it's going to affect my family. When you do wrong, it's going to affect your family. That's right. You, know, you can't expect for you to live wrong and be wrong and do wrong and it not affect your family. Uh, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap 
So here it is, Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, they're living in sin, outright open sin. God promises judgment, and uh, they take the Ark of the Covenant, and they bring it into the house, and they bring it into the camp, and they go to battle, and they, they think, well, the Ark of the Covenant is here. It will cover us and make sure that we win, but it did not cover them, and they did not win because no man sins unto himself. But I also think, as we look at this, they just used the Ark of the Covenant like a lucky rabbit's foot. Like it wasn't, it wasn't truly what it was. The Ark of the Covenant was something to be cherished. The Ark of the Covenant was something to be made sure that it was taken care of and made sure that it was, it was protected. And who did they have guarding it? Who did they have have it? Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And Hophni and Phinehas had no business holding the Ark of the Covenant. Right? Right? Because of their sin, because of their outright rebellion against God, there is no reason why Hophni and Phinehas ever should have been in charge of of the Ark of the Covenant. Because of their sin. Does anybody know what was in the Ark of the Covenant? Moses' staff. Also, uh, some manna was in there. And also, uh, the... Ten Commandments was in also in there. They got it, in. and uh, uh, also uh, I'm trying to remember what else was in there. Uh, just uh, it was guarded by cherubs. Just two tablets. Uh, so I'm trying to think. There was a. Uh, the staff of Moses also is. Three things? Well, that's three just things. Two There's tablets. another thing. Just the two Ten Commandments. Just the two tablets that the Ten Commandments were written on. That's all that was in the ark at that time. There's manna. Or, yeah, at one time, manna was put in there. Mm-hmm. But at this time, somebody must take it out and eat it. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded. Right. Right. You know, and you think about, you know, and then later on, you know, they tried to get this idea to put the Ark of the Covenant and uh, make a new way of, of rolling it around. You remember the story how they put it on a cart? And uh, they started rolling it around instead of carrying it the way that God ordained them to carry it. And when it tried to fall, someone tried to catch it and God killed them. And, uh, you know, that God had a specific way the Ark of the Covenant was to be treated, was to be handled. And I truly believe the Ark of the Covenant uh, is much like the Word of God today. It's very important how we handle that. It's very important what we do with that. And truly, as, as, as a preacher, as a minister of the gospel, man, my job is to make sure I give gun barrel straight. You know, not to water it down, not to, not to hold back, not to, not to add to or take away. Isn't that what it says in Revelation? That we're not to, supposed to take away. We're not supposed to add to it. And I think that, that preaching or, and teaching, we ought to be careful how we handle that Word of God. Because that Word of God is supposed to, what it says is, is, is it. And it's a perfect word of God. No, it's not like the Ark of the Covenant as far as that goes. When, you know, they didn't handle it right, God got rid of them and God took care of it. But truly, it's, the word of God ought to be treated with as much care 
you know, when, even when teaching. Sometimes, you know, we, we think, well, man, it's not that important to, to even to, to study it and get in God's Word. But truly, if I'm handling God's Word, man, I ought to know what I'm talking about. I ought to know what it says. Now, look, I am not a, uh, a professor or a doctor of any sort of the Bible. And there's areas of the Bible that I'm a novice at. But we ought to learn something from the Bible all the time. Amen. You know, and we ought to dig into the Word of God and let it teach us and let it, let it, let it mold us. And these children of Israel, here they come. Here come the lucky rabbit's foot, if you will. And they thought they was good. You know, and I kind of wonder, I kind of wonder sometimes that we don't treat things the wrong way too when it comes to, well, let's pray. Let's get out our lucky rabbit's foot or rub the genie bottle, if you will. You know, sometimes we treat God that way, but God's not, God's not like that. You know, God's not to be treated like that either. The only time we go to God is when we need something. Only time we, only time we, only time we need, only time we pray is when we've got this huge request and we hadn't, and boy, oh boy, we've got to pray. No, that's not how we should treat God. That's not how they should have treated the, the Ark of the Covenant. And again, and they had two men representing the Ark of the Covenant or taking care of the Ark of the Covenant because it said, go to Joppa, uh, go, 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 uh, Shiloh, I'm sorry, go to Shiloh and get the Ark of the Covenant. And who were the two men that were holding the Ark of the Covenant? Hophni and Phinehas, two men that should have never been holding that Ark of the Covenant, you know. Uh, but this resistance, this battle that took place, we see that the loss, we see a major loss for the children of Israel. But also, I see that, that in this text, if you will, look down as, as they got the Ark of the Covenant, and the Bible says um, in verse number 5, and when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. Okay? So what does that mean? What does it mean that the earth rang again? In the very next verse, the Bible says, And the Philistines heard the noise of the shout. Well, how loud, how loud were they? Very loud. <laughs> boy, oh boy. If the if Philistines heard them, now they were close enough proximity that they had been battling, but they could hear what was going on in the camp because of how excited they were that the Ark of the Covenant was in the camp. <clears throat> the excitement they had concerning the Ark of the Covenant. But they heard it. Um, and it. And what really gets me here is I almost feel like the Philistines had just, in, just about this more respect in some aspects of the Ark of the Covenant than some of the children of Israel did. Because look what their response is. When they heard the shouting, they said, oh no, uh, they, that means that they must have the Ark of the Covenant. And look what they said in verse number seven. And the Philistines were afraid. They were fearful of the Ark of the Covenant. That's right. Huh? Boy. Because do you know what they'd heard? They heard how the children of Israel came out of Egypt and how God had brought them out of Egypt. And what did God, how did God bring them out of Egypt? With them plagues. plagues. Yeah. And they knew the stories. 
The Philistines knew the stories of how God had judged Egypt. Well, we don't want to mess with that God. That's what they said. We don't want to mess with that God. We don't want to touch him. Boy, oh boy. You know, in a lot of aspects, I think that that's a convicting statement. You say, why? Because does the world look at my God like that? Because the life that I've lived or the stories that I've told? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Their God ain't real. I mean, come on. They, they barely pray, right? Look, there was, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a place my dad used to work in Emporia, Kansas that is a, uh, it's, it's owned by Tyson, and it used to be Iowa Beef Packing Plant. But listen, um, they are a production, high production company, and they take, and they produce, uh, and that's their meat company, and they have high production meat company. And five days, five times a day, they shut down production to make sure that the Muslims can pray. What do us Christians do? Boy, sometimes we bow down to Baal, don't we? Well, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings or nothing like that. Sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, we should have the same rules. Our schools have prayer in them, and they've taken away. Whose fault is it? Our fault. Because somebody, hey, listen, I, I, I won't be mean for a minute, but instead of Christians fighting against the public school, they ran out. And they started Christian schools. And they went to homeschooling their kids. You say, look, and you say, well, you mean, look, that was back then. Schools are nothing like they are today. They ain't nothing like they are today. Nothing. You say, what do you mean? We, as Christians, we should stand up for what we believe in and go back to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we praise them, and we're proud for them. But look, if that was taking place today, I don't know that we would stand and not bow. Well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You know, uh, you know they'll, they'll pass over us. No. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took a stand and said, I'm not bowing. I'm not going to bow to Baal just because you want me to. I'm not going to teach that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not, I'm not going to believe that. That's right. And sometimes as Christians, we have to take a stand. Look, this Bible is true. Look, and I don't care. I, whatever the world wants to teach and whatever the world wants to shove down, try to shove down our throats, this Bible is always true. And the things that are being taught and the things that are trying to be forced upon Christians to teach and preach from the pulpits across America is not right. And as a Christian, as a Baptist, as an independent Baptist, we have to stand true on this Bible right here. And it doesn't matter what's being taught at the, at the local churches across, the, across Nederland. This Bible's what's true. And this, this is where we get our stuff from. And we have to stand and if we don't stand, they will come and take it away. Well, that's not, that's not that big of a deal. This Bible is a big deal. 
Too many times as Christians, we've sat on the sidelines and just let them take it away and let them do what they do and let them, let them say what they say and not say anything about it. But it's time as Christians we stand up and say, yeah, it's okay for me to be a Bible believer. Huh? It's okay. That's right? That's right. Is it that important? What happens if we don't? Slowly but surely, they'll take it all away. Slowly but surely, one step at a time. They're not going to take it all away because that would start causing a revolt. We lost a lot of freedom. We have. We have. This country was based on Christianity, and we're losing it right now. But why is it, you know, and you say, well, look. How did I get on that? But anyways, but look, I don't know where that came out of in this text. But look, but truly, the it's okay for the world to be, hey, that's what we, hey, they're Christians down there. You know, our lives ought to represent who we are. And it's okay not to buy things from certain companies because of what they believe. That's right, boycott. It's okay. And just because I don't agree with your sin doesn't mean I don't like you. It just means I don't agree with you. That's right. And I don't have to be upset with you, and I'm not upset with other people if that's what they want to believe, but just because I don't believe just like you doesn't mean that I don't like you. That's right. We have to be bold. We have to be bold. Because our life, look, that, as I said, that those, those men or that company shuts down production. Why would they do that? It's because people stood up for what they believed in. Exactly right. you, know, you go to, you go to I, I was in Houston, and, and, they'll, and uh, as, I, as I was walking through the, uh, a, a, uh, a hospital, they had a certain room. They had certain rooms for prayer rooms. And you know, you know today that in, that in some Texas high schools, there's Muslim prayer rooms? I know, but where's the Christian prayer rooms? That's right. We need to stand up and make one. But you have to have Christians who are willing to put their faith on the line and say, I'm not backing down. I'm not shutting up. I'm not going to stop praying. Look, when Daniel, when Daniel was faced from the government that told him he couldn't pray, uh, what did he do? He went into his house, he opened the window, and said, let's pray. Right. And we, we'll go in our house, shut the door, turn off our phones, make sure no one's listening, and then we'll pray. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Turn off all the cameras, make sure nothing's spying on me, right? Turn off your Alexa, because she'll be listening. Blah, blah, blah. I, whatever it is. But truly, you say, I, do I need to be mean? Absolutely not. Do I need to be hateful? Absolutely not. Is it okay to be bold? Yes, it is okay to be bold. But it is not. I do not believe we ought to be hateful. Not for one moment did Christ ever come down and he was, rude, he was hateful to people. That's right. That's right. I can believe what I can believe without ever being hateful to people. And be bold. And take a stand. When the Ark of the Covenant was in the camp, the Philistines knew it. Yeah. 
And when, when God lives at your house, they ought to know it. That's right. We're not undercover Christians. That's right? Right? That's right. Don't let them know I'm a Christian. Shh. Don't tell them what church I go to. They have a crazy preacher down there. But, you know, it's, it's making sure of that. But then also I see in this text, so we see, uh, we see in this text how they stood up for what they believed in, and, and it was evident what they believed, that if Philistines saw it. But then also the Philistines, now look, and I hate to take the enemy's ammunition, okay, because the enemy to me is wicked and evil. But look at this, look what the enemy says. So they were afraid, they were afraid, verse number seven. He said, uh, he said, man, we ought to be afraid. We're, man, this is the almighty God that delivered the Egyptians and, and all those plagues in the wilderness. But listen to what he says in verse number nine. He says, be strong and quit yourselves like men. Quit, now there's another scripture in the Bible that says, quit ye like men. You know what he's telling them? Don't you quit. Don't you back up. Don't you shut up. Don't you stop. Don't you stop. Look, I know that they have the Ark of the Covenant. I know it. Now look, isn't that terrible? Now, I like the analogy of his, of his statement saying, quit you like men. Quit yourselves like men. Don't stop. You're living for God. You're being bold for God. You're trying to be polite. You're trying to make sure you're living according to the Bible. Don't stop. Keep doing it. Let Others continue to see that Christ is alive, that Christ still answers prayers, that Christ is in your home, that Christ is represented here. Keep doing it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. That's what, that's what the Philistines were telling each other. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Because you know what? When a battle gets hard and the road gets rough, and things don't go like you think they ought to, or when things don't turn out like you, like you think they should. Hmm? Let's, throw in the pad, let's throw in the paddle, throw in the oar, and go home, right? Huh? Yeah, that's right. You've never been there, though, have you? You've never wanted to quit, have you? Not once. Don't you quit. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's be honest. Not everything's rosy. Not everything's great. You know, when I read through that chapter, I think about back when Joshua, when Moses, yeah. always went to the Lord and asked the Lord, can we, can we win this battle? Yeah. They would ask for the Lord's help and the Lord would say yes. Yes. And the one time that Joshua did not ask, what happened? He lost it. In Ai. In Ai. And that was the first battle when they went across to uh, After Jericho. Jericho right. right. Then, then this, thinking about that, I never saw once where, now, like, it's like you said earlier, when we get in the bind, we go to ask him. Yes. But I never saw where Eli, or his son, went to the Lord with this. No. And they continually 
continue and he got beat down. That's right. And, but they should have looked to God and said, God, can you help us? Right. And he may have said no. He went, went too far now, which is what he would have said because right. of what the sons did and the life he was living. Right. And it's... Uh, well, they started off the whole thing wrong. They did. And that's a good point because a lot of times, a lot of times that they would say the battle is whose? Is the Lord's. That you would see that a lot of times with Joshua and the Old Testament. They would say the battle is the Lord's. Even I think David says it uh, when he goes to fight Goliath in, in 1 Samuel 17. I believe he says something to the effect that the battle is the Lord's. And boy. Eli did. He didn't go to the Lord and say, hey, I don't see no effect. And at that, I don't see them asking God to go with them. I don't, see, I don't see them saying, battle's the Lord. I don't see them asking God to go with them. I don't see them even approaching God about go getting the Ark of the Covenant. They just went and got it because they thought it would just bring them good luck, if you will. You know, sometimes, I, look, there's... There's players in the NFL and, and NBA and all that kind of stuff. They have a certain ritual they do every time they go and play because of good luck. It's the way that good luck happens. Look, that's not how it works as a Christian. You've got to do it the same way every time. It don't work. It is. There's no such thing as luck. Ah. Amen. Amen. All right. Anybody, anybody else or any other thoughts? I mean, that's a good Lord's battle. And that's important as Christians that it is the Lord's battle. Because we're going to face things that are difficult. We'll face things that are hard. And I can't face them on my own. You think about the things that you went through in your life and tell me that you could have went through it alone. There's no way. There's no way. And we have to have the Lord on our side. We have to have him on our side. And we, and we can't stop. We can't, we can't stop. Keep, keep, keep going. Keep going on for God. I know it's difficult. I know things get hard. I know things are sometimes, oh man, what am I doing? Really, we just got to keep going on for God. Because what God's purpose for your life is so much more important than what you think. Okay, God has you here for a reason. That means he has a purpose for you. And so you got to keep going so you can fulfill God's purpose for your life. So what is it? Find out what God's purpose is. And I say this, everybody's purpose is different. Everybody in this room, you're at a different stage of life. Everybody is. Not, every, not anybody in this room has identical situations. Not one person. So do you know what? But God has a purpose for you specifically. But you've got to continue on to continue. And when they fought on, okay? Now again, I hate using the enemy as an illustration, but when the Philistines got up and they got up from their depressed state, if you will, their discouraged state, because they were afraid, afraid state, they stood up in the battle and they went down and they, they killed 30,000 Israelites because they didn't stop. They slaughtered them. They slaughtered them. That's exactly what the Bible says. A very great slaughter. There fell 30,000 footmen. That's not including who else because the priests were probably not considered footmen. 
Hophni and Phinehas were not footmen. They were priests. Not only that, did they kill 30,000 footmen, they killed Eli's sons, and then they stole the Ark of the Covenant, the prized possession of the Israelites, because they didn't stop. You ever wonder sometimes if you're on the brink of getting through, if you're on the brink of the miracle, you're on the brink of God just pouring it all out, but you give up? I'll wait. Because if, if Philistines would have heard that noise, man, pff, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of here. They got the Ark of the Covenant. Hey, hey, but, they, <laughs> but they got up and they said, no, we're going to keep fighting on. And they got up and they went into battle and they killed 30,000 footmen. They killed Eli's sons and they stole the Ark of the Covenant and they went home gloriously, if you will, in their mind. In their mind. You know, they hurt, they hurt the Philistines. I'm sorry, the Philistines hurt the Israelites. But God was not done. Because God was, God was raising up a child. His name was Samuel. Amen. All right. Any other thoughts? You know, when we find our older generation, What do you consider old? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to distract you there. But when we think that it's, we're fighting and losing battle, I want you to look at what's going on. And I saw some things this week in OU University. I think, I'm assuming it's, it's uh, Oklahoma, I don't know. Yes, Oklahoma University. Whole team. Yeah. Outstanding softball girls. They praise the Lord. Yes. Well, maybe there would be some people that follow the Lord, you know. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, you, truly, truly, and I say this, and I'm going to be done. And if anybody has something else to say, they're welcome to. But um, truly, mama, grandma, father, grandpa, they're watching. You're leading, even being in the church, the young people are watching. They see it. They're seeing you. They're watching. Well, you know, you're, and I've said it before, and I know it, your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You can talk the biggest game you want to, but your actions are what's going to teach the next generation. A lot of people can talk a good game, but when it comes to producing, they don't have it. That's right. That's right. But it's important, but it goes back to make sure we're in the, we're in the book. Right. Make sure that we're spending time with God. Make sure that we're, we're spending quality time with the Lord. Amen. All right. Anybody else? Any other thoughts or questions Amen. before we close? Amen. Amen. Next week, we'll get into the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the next point. So. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for tonight. I thank you for allowing us to be together.